greetings, everyone. So we did appreciate that lovely music. We've just had remarkable last couple of weeks here in the church. Just wanted to comment on the wonderful spirit of unity that we had at the Council of Elders meeting. Then we had right after that, almost immediately following, all the men came in from all over the world with their wives for the ministerial conference. And both were just characterized by an extraordinary unity. There was unity there. It was a common mind, a common thinking, a common approach, and a common goal. I think that unity was the result of a common vision. They all see where we are going. They're looking for it. They're hoping for it. They're waiting for it. We are pursuing a common vision. Turn, if you would, please, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. Abraham had a vision that he pursued. And this talks about these people who had a vision. Now, beginning in verse 1 through uh, up through 12, it talks about, by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Sarah. Then in verse 13, Summarizes, all these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them. He embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly they seek a homeland. And surely, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. This is a country that's going to come down from heaven, a nation, a kingdom that is going to come down from heaven. A holy mountain of God is going to come down from heaven. In the person of Jesus Christ to establish his kingdom, the stone cut out without hands is going to grow and fill the whole earth with a holy mountain. It finishes, therefore, God is not ashamed. Brother, verse 16, now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. We're in a time of preparation. You know, we talk about the day of preparation. Sometimes we go around the office, and on Fridays I'll say, happy day of preparation to people, just to remind them that's what it is. The reason why is that we're in a season of preparation. Christ is preparing his bride. The bride is making herself ready. He says he goes to prepare a place for us. This is a time of preparation for something great that is going to happen. A city, a holy mountain that we can see afar off. Abraham saw this afar off. All of these other people were led by God to see these things afar off. How? How did they see it? Great binoculars, if they could look through, look way out into the future. What did they see? They were looking through the eyes of faith. That's how they could see it. God said it, they believed it, and they saw something that others could not see as a result. 
People talk about blind faith. Sometimes they say, oh, Abraham had blind faith. No, he didn't. He didn't. Faith doesn't make you see less. Faith, faith in what God says, makes you see more or allows you to see more. I like to say, believing God makes you smarter. You know more. You know things that you cannot know otherwise. Appreciated Mr. Fall's um, um, first half of this split sermon. He talked about hearing. He talked about hearing. And he mentioned an article that I wrote one time about the miracle of seeing and hearing. Well, this is going to be, and the title of this sermon is going to be, The Miracle of Spiritual Vision. We didn't plan this, by the way. We didn't plan this. But that's what I'm going to talk about today. The Miracle of Spiritual Vision. It's interesting as Paul uh, referenced uh, the parable of the sower. You know, I've been, I guess, in, in either an, an elder or a church pastor now for nearly 26 years. It'll be 26 years this Pentecost um, that I have been in the ministry. And, you know, I've talked with many, many prospective members. We call them go-tos. We get the email coming in from headquarters, and then that means go to that person, go see them, call them, visit them, and talk to them. And it's funny how, with, as in the parable of the sower, I, I always watch this. The people fall into those same four neat categories. It's amazing how it is. Some, you know, it's like the bird steals the seed of the word away immediately. They go back and they, they said they were excited at first, but they talked to their pastor and said, Oh, you don't want to go with that crazy bunch of people there. You know, they're, they're weird. They're cold. They're doing all kinds of strange things. You better get away from that. I said, Oh, okay, okay. And the seed is snatched away. It's a big responsibility for those who do that. Some, they come in, they're all excited, they're so wound up and excited, and, you know, they, they, maybe they get through the first lesson of the Bible study, okay? And then you don't hear from them again. They don't do any more. That's all they did. It was just sort of an overnight sprout, and then away it went. And then some, they, uh, that seed that, like, fell in the stony places, you know, they could see it. They could see the kingdom of God. They're studying. They, they believe in it. They believe in it that it's coming. And they could see it afar off, kind of like Abraham did. But then they find out and they say, you know, if I could, if I could just work one Sabbath a month, I might make supervisor. And away it goes. It's gone. Cares of the world grow up and take it away, but then we have people who grow up in it and are converted, and it bears and bears much fruit. Blessed are your eyes that see. Blessed are your eyes that see, and your ears that hear. Matthew 13, we heard earlier. Verse 16 and 17, For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see. What you're seeing is valuable. It's precious. Precious vision. It is a remarkable phenomenon. Why do you see things that other people don't see? Are you having 
visual hallucinations. Uh, we, is this schizophrenia? We see this holy city. We see this holy mountain in the future, and other people can't see it. God reveals things that we can't know otherwise. That's how. It's spiritual vision. He reveals things for you to see. What can he see? Well, history. You know, you can see future history if you want to. Here it is. It's in the Bible. God has a whole plan. He gives us an entire narrative of history that is relative to what he is doing with mankind and even the whole universe. You're the people upon whom the outcomes of the world are come. And he gives us all of this in his word. You can see it. You can therefore read this and look out and see what is happening in the world today. You can read all the newspapers you want to, but they won't tell you what is happening in the future because they don't know. Isaiah 46 in verse 10, Isaiah chapter 46 in verse 10, says he declares the end from the beginning and from ancient things that are not yet done. You can see these things if you'll only look and believe, if you're looking through the eyes of faith to do this. God's definition of right and wrong is another thing that you could see and understand and know. God's nature is something that you can learn in many, many ways that he will teach you. Who he is, what his character is, what his plan for humanity is. We live in a world that is hopeless, hopeless world. But God's word illuminates our world so that we can see things that we otherwise would not see. You might have said, I love to do this. I love to do this. Here it is. Here's the light. Shine it around. You think about it that way? Come on. Yes, you can. This is it. The light of God's word. You can shine it on the world around you. You can shine it on your path in life. You can shine it on current events. And if you'll just open it up and let that light go. Luke chapter 11 Verses, sorry, Luke chapter 1, verses 77 through 79. Luke chapter 1, verses 77 through 79. This world lives in a dark place. A dark place. It was a beautiful day outside today. Wasn't it beautiful this morning? It was all rainy and stormy yesterday. And then it just was a glorious, cool, beautifully lit morning. All of the Beautiful spring colors are out there, the greens and everything. But the world is a dark place, God reveals to us. Verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through tender, the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us. Verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness the shadow of death, to guide our feet on the way of peace. He guides us. He illuminates a path for us by his word. It shows us what is right and wrong. How many times have you come up to the old fork in the road in life? You come up to that place where you can go one way or another. What helped you? God helped you. He illuminated a right way for you. He shows you it because he gives you spiritual vision. 
John chapter 3, verses 3 through 10. No, sorry, John chapter 1, verses 3 through 10. John chapter 1, verses, can we start in verse 4? Read this from the New King James. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. This great light, this thing that you can understand, the things that you see, the world cannot comprehend it. Why is that? Why are you able to see that in others? Verse 6, There was a man sent from God, his name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was that light, but he was sent, he was not that light, rather, but he was sent to bear witness of that light, that we might believe, that we can accept and have faith and then see the things that are there. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. They simply couldn't see it. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Once again, this theme is one that I'm only doing just a few of the scriptures on this subject. It is a theme that's carried over and over and over. This matter of spiritual vision, our path and our vision being illuminated by God's revealed knowledge. But you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Well, how? Well, God illuminates the way with your spiritual vision. He allows you to see it. John chapter 3, verse 19. John chapter 3, verse 19. Earlier I asked, why do you see this and others don't? You can see things that others do not see. That's why you're here. Even if you are new, even if you this is the first time you've come to church, you're here for a reason because you see and, and hear and understand things that you didn't see, hear, and understand before that other people do not. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and the men loved darkness rather than light. And then it gives them the cause here, because their deeds were evil. They love the darkness. They love the sin in violation of God's divine law. They really would rather live that way. I won't go over it again, but you remember the, 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 the parable of the, of the Peter gave about the, the pig that was washed, returned to the mire, you remember that one? That's because the pig likes the mire. They would rather be, a pig would rather wallow in that mire than be clean and be washed. They prefer lies over truth. It's what they would rather believe. That's why they can't see it, why they can't hear it, why you know things that other people don't know. In Daniel chapter 2, we won't turn there, but I'll just mentioned, you remember, as I said earlier, there was a stone cut out without hands. It struck the uh, feet and 
toes of iron and miry clay, and this stone grew into a mountain that filled the whole earth, the holy mountain of God. Well, that's the mountain that Christ is going to bring. He's the first born of many, and you're the rest. You will be that holy mountain that will grow and fill the whole earth. But right now, there's a different mountain that fills the earth. Satan is the ruler of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. We are in Satan's mountain. However, you are not of it. You are set apart. That's why your sanctity is so important. You're a holy people, the Israel of God. We are in this evil age, but you're not of it because you are set apart from it. Remember that Christ was was tempted. He was shown all of the kingdoms of the world in a moment of looking. And of course, what can you see if you stand on the top of a mountain in a moment of looking? You see the mountain, can't you? You can see that. You can look around and see it. And he rejected it. He rejected that. And you have rejected. Christ is not coming to reform this world. He is not coming to reform Satan's mountain. I'm sorry. If you think that, you're wrong. We are not here to reform this age. Christ is coming to destroy it, to smash it, and replace it with the holy mountain of God. And you can see that mountain. You can see that city afar off. But when you look out in the world today, do you see what fills it now? Do you see Satan's mountain? Do you see Satan's kingdom? that fills the world today. Do you see it? Of course you do. I think you can. Just look. Put on those spiritual binoculars. Put on your spiritual vision. And look out and see it. The world is filled with Satan's profane, corrupt, sinful mountain. And he hates the fact that you're not in it. And he will destroy you if he can. He will take that vision away. He will do whatever he can because the least person in the kingdom of God is far greater than him. And he knows it. And he hates it. And it really bothers him. So why do so many not see and hear? Why do so many? Isaiah chapter 28, verse 9 9 through 13. Why do so many? Isaiah 28, 9 through 13. This knowledge that we are taught in God's word is revelatory. You can't necessarily just go out and figure this out on yourself, by yourself. God reveals things to us that we cannot know otherwise, and believing him makes you smart. You can know things that even the greatest professors in the world don't know. Verse 9, who will he teach knowledge and whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from breasts? For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people, to whom it said, this is the rest with which You may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. But they would not hear. They don't have the ears to. But the word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might 
might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. We come to Christ in true repentance. The church teaches that. Christ teaches that. The Bible teaches that. We don't come to him in rebellion. I, I grew up in a, in a fine old Baptist church. You know, the first Baptist church of Anderson, South Carolina. Fairly large church. But they would have, uh, in their services, they would have altar calls at the end of, of everything. And uh, even sometimes they would have revivals. I don't, you, you, many of you go with church from time to time. They would have a revival back when before you were in God's church. They would have a revival. And um, they would have then the altar call. And after the minister had given this big, strong sermon, uh, they would have the altar call. And invariably, it seemed like they would sing, Just As I Am. You remember that old hymn? Just as I am like that. That's not in the Bible. Okay? We do not come to Christ just as we are. We come to him in repentance. In repentance. It's because God's Spirit has been working with us and brings us to repentance. It is a gift that he gives us. It's something that he grants us. It is not easy, but we have to choose to take it. We take the repentance that he gives. I just remember that in these old calls, if, if nobody came, the pastor would say, oh, do it again, you know. And they would go through the verses again. Nobody's coming down the center aisle. You see? Do it again. He's, he's waiting. You know, there might be somebody on the back row saying, somebody walk down the aisle so we can get out of here. We don't come to Christ just as we are. We don't come to him just as we are. We come to him in true repentance. If we've been breaking God's commandments, we repent of it. But men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They like their sin. They simply like their sin. Repentance is frequently the big hurdle when you're counseling um, someone who is who is very interested and they see it and they want to, you know, they want to come to church, but repentance can be difficult, especially regarding the Sabbath. So why do we see and hear and some don't? Why do you see and hear and some don't? Well, it's because we accept God's revealed knowledge. That's one big reason. And because some love darkness and prefer, prefer their sin. To that, God calls some and brings them to repentance, grants them to repentance. Others, not in this age, not at this time. So the second point is, new people ask, how do I know that God is calling me? How do I know that God is calling me? John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. Jesus was telling his disciples who did not yet have the Holy Spirit that God's Spirit would be actively leading them prior to them receiving it and put into them inwardly. Verse 15, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or believes him. 
or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I'm speaking to those of you who are new in the church, perhaps you've been baptized yet or recently baptized. First, God's Spirit works with you. This is the scripture that says that. It gives you this spiritual vision. You're able to see, you're able to understand things that others could not. I used to just love to ask the new people this question, the go-tos. It said, you know, did you try to explain what you're so excited about to your family members and your neighbors? And they said, yeah, yeah, I really did. What was it? What happened? It's like talking to a post. They think I'm crazy. They all think I'm crazy. Why, why don't they understand? Why, are you, why do you see these things and others don't? Or hear these things and understand them and others don't? Why is it precept upon precept and line upon line on you and it all comes together in your mind and you say, well, I understand the Bible for the first time in my life and you explain it to somebody else and they say, what? They don't see it. They don't understand it. I want you to think of this spiritual vision and hearing, and hearing, as a miracle. Do you, do you understand that? What God did for you to draw you to him, to open your mind, is it was a miraculous thing. Just think back, even those of you who have been in the church a long time. Didn't you pray that God would open your mind to his truth? Did you? Of course you did. We all did. Father, please let me understand. I want to understand more. I'm beginning to see. Please open my mind to these things. And then he did. You need to think of that as a miraculous event. It is a miracle that has happened in the lives of everybody here and everyone in God's church and everyone who is attending, even prospective members. Their minds are being opened. It is a miracle that has happened to them. Sometimes somebody gets the idea that maybe if God is showing them all this truth, that they may be a very spiritually talented person. You know, they don't realize that it is God doing it. And we should always realize it. Sometimes well, I'll talk to someone I used to, and they would say, well, you know, I'm really, <laughs> um, it's because I'm such a wonderful spiritual person that I'm seeing all of these things. No, I'm sorry, it's not. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 31. We won't read all of this because we sang it in the first hymn today. But it talks about, let's begin in verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen... Oops, us. We're the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world. Why? Why do you do that, I wonder? To put to shame the things that are mighty and the base things that are world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. It is his work. He's the one that's doing this. He is working in you. He is the one that gives you this wonderful spiritual vision. Verse 31, that it is written, he who glories, 
Let him glory in the Lord. Not in our own righteousness, not in our own spiritual wonderfulness. In a sense, we can be thankful for the arrogance of the mighty of this world. God chose us to put them in their place. Such as we are. Such as we are. Why did God call you? Why did God call you? Not because you were exceptionally wonderful spiritually. That's not the reason. He says so here. In our humility and in our weakness, his strength is perfected. And he will show the world that through weak people, people who are not sophisticated, people who are not theologians, people who are not philosophers, how many scientists do we have here? Not many. Through you, he will create his kingdom, his children. He will work in us to do it for his own perfect reasons. Verse 3, number 3 rather, there's another side to the coin. It was touched on in the uh, first half, so I won't go into that uh, too much. Luke 12, verses 47 and 48. Luke 12, verse 47 and 48. This is a principle that is repeated over and over and over from Genesis through Revelation. Faithful in little, faithful in much. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from much will be required. Mm -mm. And to whom much has been committed, of them they will ask the more. What's, What's something that's been committed to us? I mean, we could go on forever on this subject. What's something that's been committed to us? Knowledge, understanding, vision that you can see that the world can't see. How about just the knowledge of America and Britain and prophecy. How about that? I mean, do we take that for granted? I hope not. This is vision. We can see who these peoples are, who, where Israel is today throughout the world, and what's going to happen to them and their future. Um, Dr. Meredith, of course, is using this knowledge to tell the world with all the resources that he's got, because we know what's going to happen to the nation. We, I won't read Ezekiel chapter 33 today, but we have a responsibility to do that. The Bible says, watch, watch, watch. And to what I say to you, I say to all, Jesus said, watch. With spiritual vision, he's given it to you to see these things with eyes that see. And if you can see, the watchman does see. You, if you're watching, you're a watchman. If you can see, you must tell. That's very simple. That's part of doing something that we're given faith and belief in. That's part of the doing. Living faith. Believing it and then acting on it. This church does that. We're actively doing that. We are obeying God when we do it. We pray for faith. 
But God will require that faith be put into action, that we use it for works, living faith. Dead faith is useless. Dead faith is faith that does nothing. We pray for more of God's Holy Spirit, but will we respond when he gives it? I know you pray for God's Spirit, right? You should be. But don't forget, when he gives it to you, he's going to give it to you. Then what do you do? We pray for faith. Okay? We should pray for faith. But when he gives you more faith and stronger belief, do you do something with it? You know, he also says that to those who, um, who do not do anything with it, like the parable of the talents, he will take away what you've got. Okay? So let's be careful when we pray for God's Spirit to stir it up and to use it. Let's pray. Well, let's be sure that when we pray for more faith, and he gives you more understanding, and he gives you more information, he gives you this faith and stronger belief, what will you do? You must act on it. You must act on that. Will a person who has little faith, but does a lot because of it, have a greater reward in God's kingdom than a person who was given great faith and did nothing? A little. What do you think? Remember the parable of the talents. Well, what about a person that has great understanding of God's word? Great understanding. Maybe they pick up truth and they learn it and uh, they just can explain it and do so many things. But then they don't do anything with it. They don't apply it in their lives. We heard earlier, Matthew thirteen seventeen. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Prophets. You know stuff prophets didn't know and really wanted to know. What will you do with it? What will you do with this extraordinary vision that you've been given? The other side of the coin is, to whom much is given, much is required. So how are some ways that we can build and protect our spiritual vision? Well, one thing we can do is stir up the faith. Stir it up. We've had whole sermons on that. But when you have these things, stir it up and use it. We have faith and we pray for more, but put it into action. Faithful in little, faithful in much. If you do this, he will give you more. It's a promise from God. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. But if you don't use the faith that you have, well, God just may take it away. Action. Action. Another thing, understand how the world thinks and how you are different. God puts a difference between the clean and the unclean, the profane and the holy. You are holy. He has put a difference in you in the world. When you first kept the Sabbath, did you notice that? Mm-hmm. You really did. How God set you apart when you started obeying him. We have spiritual vision because we believe what God reveals. And the world thinks 
that everything that we can know only comes from the physical world. We need to understand and remember that God reveals things. He reveals knowledge. He reveals things that cannot be known any other way in the world. This physical world is sustained and held up by God, and God must reveal the spiritual things to us if we are to know them. That is how he illuminates the world of darkness, with revealed knowledge. The world cannot see it, but you can. Another thing we can do is read the Word. Read the Word. It illuminates. It throws lights on things. So many, I could go on and on. Just read the statutes. You want to know what God is like, what the Father's character is like? Read his statutes and look at his, for his character in them. When's the last time you read Deuteronomy? You ought to read it at least once a year. It, is, it just opens your mind up to see the character and nature of God and what he thinks is right and wrong. How do we apply that in our lives? Have you been through the booklets lately? I need I need to go back and I need to go back and read the booklets again. It's one of my projects that I need to go back and do. Rereading the booklets, all of this wonderful knowledge condensed and put in that place there. Stir it up. Read the Word. Get all of this light. It's available for you. Another one I like to mention is remember the pictures that God gives us every day. Pictures. What pictures? If you have spiritual vision, you can see them with what God gives you, this vision. Did you get a good picture of the kingdom of God at the feast? I bet you did. But did you put it down a memory hole the rest of the year? You want to know how to stir that up? This day, this seventh day of the week, pictures the millennial rule of Christ. It pictures the holy mountain of God. You have a little... A little Feast of Tabernacles today, this holy time that he set apart for you. We have, just think about it, within your household, the little area you rule, your own little kingdom, you know, that you have, you have all of the divine pictures there. You have husband, wife, father, uh, children, Mr. Armstrong used to call them God-plain relationships. They're all in your house, and we, we remember that on the Sabbath day. We remember God's kingdom then. What goes on within our gates. We have preparation for the Sabbath, which pictures the preparation of the bride in this age. Remember to use our eyes to see what God has pictured for us. His word, our lives, are full of the pictures that he gives us to see spiritual things. And the, the things that are not seen, the spiritual things, can be understood by the things that are made, if you'll remember what Paul said. How to build and preserve your spiritual vision and hearing. Use it. Use it all the time. Use it and profit from it, then God will give you more. So please remember that your spiritual vision is a miracle, and your spiritual hearing that he's given you is a miracle and a blessing. Treat it as such. If you were given a miraculous healing, say you broke your arm, and then when you got to the emergency room, it was knit back together. I, I have seen such things. 
I have seen these things happen. There are healings, not as many as they maybe were back in the 50s, but we still have miraculous healings. If one happened to you, would you treasure it? Would you be excited about it? Well, what about the miracle of spiritual vision? It happened to you. Are you excited about that? How would you, how do you view that? Do you treasure it and give thanks for it? Matthew 13. Verses 14 through 17. Matthew 13, verses 14 through 17. Hitting this one pretty hard today. But it's right on subject. Hearing you will hear and will not understand. He's speaking to the world now. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. And their ears are hard of hearing. And their eyes have been closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. And I should heal them. They prefer darkness. They prefer the darkness. Because they prefer their sin. But not forever. Verse 16. But blessed. Miraculously blessed. Are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see what you see, did not see it, did not hear it. Seeing, spiritual vision, hearing, spiritual hearing, is a miracle. Let's remember it and be thankful for it. 